Some estimate that more than one out of every five drugs prescribed in the United States is for an off-label use. As doctors, it seems like we should be concerned about this issue, yet I'm not sure I know when I'm prescribing drugs off-label. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Mark Herman, partner at the law firm of Jones Day, and he defends drug and device companies in product liability cases. He also co-hosts a blog known as the Drug and Device Law Blog. Mr. Herman, thank you for joining me. Thanks very much for inviting me. It's good to be here. Mark, what does it really mean, or what's the legal term or interpretation when either a prescription drug or medical device is described as off-label? Off-label is any use that is not indicated in the package insert. So if you prescribe a drug for a different disease than the insert says it's indicated for, or a different patient population, it's indicated in adults, but you prescribe it in a pediatric patient, or a different route of administration or dose or frequency, it's an off-label use. It is important to know off-label use is entirely legal. Doctors are allowed to prescribe drugs for any appropriate use. The FDA doesn't control the prescription of drugs, but manufacturers are not allowed to promote drugs for off-label use. So the doctor can use it for that use, but the manufacturer can't encourage the use. That is why when I have a drug rep in my office and I ask them a question, they now say, I cannot answer that. That is off-label. They typically say they can't answer it, and they are permitted to put you in touch with typically physicians on staff at the drug company who are allowed to answer it, but the drug reps cannot promote off-label uses. All right, so what I'm hearing is that I am okay in changing the dose on a medicine if I believe that that is in the patient's best interest and that's off-label, but I'm allowed to do it. Yes. As a legal matter, that's absolutely true. Unless something goes wrong. Well, if something goes wrong, you're likely to get sued, and the fact that it was off-label is likely to come up in the case. But as a legal matter, you are entitled to make the off-label prescription. And we are doing that every day, I think, in our offices. I mean, there are constantly doctors saying, oh, you know, try this. I usually use this dose, and I try this, and I try that, and they're completely off-label. And we do it. I don't even think we think twice about it. It is certainly very, very common. That is, you said in the lead that it was, what, 20%. I have seen estimates saying that from 25 to 65% of all prescriptions are off-label. And in certain specialties, it's extreme. In oncology, the numbers are up at 65% or more prescriptions being off-label, at least early in AIDS treatment, and maybe still today, just about all patients were getting at least one off-label prescription. So it is hugely commonplace. Whether or not the doctors know that a particular prescription is off-label, I'll defer to you. That is, I don't know what doctors know about labeled indications, and that might vary by specialty, by whether it's a drug or device, but certainly it's happening all the time. It's an absolutely routine to have off-label prescriptions. When I think of off-label usage, I think of Neurontin, because that's the one that made all the headlines and doctors were using that for treating everything from seizures to, you know, ingrown toenails. And that drug company got in trouble. Did the doctors get in trouble for going along with what the company was telling them to do at the time? I don't know how many lawsuits were filed against the doctors in that case. 
So I can't tell you what the answer is, but the question, of course, is different for the doctor than it is for the drug company. For the doctor, the question is, did you meet the standard of care? And for the drug company, at least in the criminal case or the case brought by the FDA, the question is, did you promote the drug for an off-label use? It's a different alleged sin, and you could have a different result in the lawsuit. I'd like to continue with the line of questioning, counselor, in terms of what I should do to minimize my exposure when I am writing something off-label. Should I tell the patient? Should I have them fill out an informed consent? And if I'm doing all that, the patient's going to be a little skeptical and hesitant to perhaps do what I'm telling them to do. The first question is what you should do. And the answer is, of course, meet the standard of care. If the labeled indication is the standard of care, use the labeled indication. And if an off-label use is the standard of care, then use the off-label indication because you are thinking about the patient and you have to do what's best for the patient. The problem is if you prescribe it off-label and something goes wrong and there's a lawsuit, what happens then? And the difficulty is that if the plaintiff can come up with an expert witness who says that your off-label prescription fell beneath the standard of care, then you have your expert witness saying that you met the standard of care, but they have their expert witness saying that you fell beneath the standard of care and they have the package insert that they will put in front of the jury showing that, look, it's not even an approved use. How could the doctor have done it? So they have that little added bonus if they come after you in a malpractice case of being able to point to the package insert in addition to the expert testimony. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD, XM157. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. My guest today is Mark Herman. Mark is a partner at the law firm of Jones Day, where he defends drug and device companies in product liability cases. We're talking about using medicines and now medical devices off-label. All right, let's move on to a medical device. I don't particularly prescribe a lot of them, but I'm curious how you would use a medical device off-label. Sure, and the case that went to the Supreme Court involved a cardiac catheter. It was not indicated for use in patients with calcifications in the artery, but this patient had calcification. It was indicated a balloon catheter was supposed to be inflated only to a certain pressure, and when that pressure didn't work, the physician inflated it to a higher pressure. So it's off-label in that it's not an indicated patient population, and it's not an indicated route of administration. And then, of course, the patient has an ill effect, which is what prompts the lawsuit. And in that case, what was decided? In the context of devices, for that type of medical device, the manufacturer was entitled to a preemption defense, so the manufacturer could not be sued. The physician could be sued, and the question in the case against the physician would be whether or not he met the standard of care. I'm fairly confident there was a lawsuit against the physician, but don't know what the result of that was. And how does it work with manufacturers in terms of getting approved by the FDA? Do they all get approved by the FDA? Do they have to all be approved by the FDA? Yep. The only way to sell either a prescription drug or a prescription medical device in the United States is to have the FDA approve it. And what if they want to get an off-label use? Do they have to go back in front of the FDA? Yep. That is, you start with no labeled uses. Your drug, let's say it's a drug, is not even on the market. So you go through the whole testing process of laboratory tests and animal tests and preliminary safety tests and efficacy tests, and then you get one labeled indication. Then you're on the market for that labeled use, 
but either you see other possible uses or physicians using the drug see other possible uses. And there are off-label uses out there in the world, either speculated about or actually being used. Then the drug company has to go back and do an entire new set of clinical trials to show that the drug is safe and effective for that new indicated use. And if it gets it, the FDA will add that use to the approved package insert. But that is a very expensive, lengthy process you just described. You got it. You're talking about tens of millions of dollars and many years. So do they do it or do they do they not have to because they see that they're getting the business irrespective of having to do the trial? Both. I mean, does it become standard of care just by everybody doing it? It may. There are certainly some off-label uses that are standard of care. And for the drug company, there are a whole collection of things to think about. I mean, sometimes the drug company is already doing the clinical trials for the off-label use, and it's standard of care, and it's just a matter of the FDA reviewing the data and looking at it and finally giving you the indication, and then what has already become standard of care becomes labeled. But there are other situations where a drug company simply is not going to bother getting the off-label use indicated. If it's a tiny little patient population, you're not going to spend $10 million doing a clinical trial to sell two doses of the drug and make $2,000 in profits. So it may simply not make sense to get a labeled indication for a drug. I'd like to go back to day-to-day operations and back to that question of informed consent. Do you see in any of your trials that a physician has actually sat down with the patient and had them sign an informed consent and that actually helped them in their defense? The question of whether or not physicians had to disclose that they were prescribing off-label uses was a huge, huge spat back in the middle 1990s. Basically, every state that has spoken about it says that off-label use is not a required piece of the informed consent process. So as the law currently is, there is no legal obligation to tell patients that you're going to make an off-label prescription. There has recently been some scholarly literature that has suggested that that is incorrect and that physicians ought to tell patients if they're making off-label uses of drugs. But to date, anyway, no court has adopted that theory. If you wanted to, you could put it in your informed consent form, or you could tell patients, I'm going to prescribe this drug, it's going to be off-label, and you would have to be very sensitive about how you explained that so that the patient wasn't scared away from taking a beneficial drug. All right, Mark. So if, in fact, as you said, that, you know, perhaps 50% of prescriptions are actually written off-label, what's the point of the label? Except, I guess, protect the uh, drug company. Why call it label? Why call it off-label if it's 50-50? Well, a federal bureaucracy is always going to be slower than physicians treating patients. You have somebody in your office, you have to treat them. You can't say, stop, we're going to run clinical trials for three years and see whether or not this works. So there is no way that you are ever going to have labeled indications that precisely match what's going on in the practice of medicine. The question then is, what is the best regulatory scheme to have? And what we have now is sort of a slower FDA and a faster practice of medicine. And you hope that those two schemes working together provide top-notch care. Are there better agencies in other countries around the world than the FDA? There are different agencies. Most developed countries have some type of agency that is passing judgment on drugs. 
Some of them approve drugs more quickly than the FDA, some of them more slowly. Whether or not that's good, of course, depends in hindsight on whether or not the drug had any unexpected side effects. If the drug comes on the market quickly and is good and is saving lives, then it was a good thing the agency act quickly. But if the agency acted quickly, put a drug on the market, and then there were unexpected and severe side effects, the agency will be criticized for having acted too quickly. So there are different approaches to regulation in Japan and in Europe and in other places in the world, but there are agencies essentially everywhere. Most people would say that the FDA is well-funded and smart and a leader of the pack as far as these things go, but maybe I say that only because I'm an American. All right. Well, on that note, Mark Herman of Jones Day, thank you very much for talking with me today. Thanks very much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. I was talking with Mark Herman of Jones Day, where he defends drug and device companies in product liability cases. Mark also has a blog known as Drug and Device Law Blog. And Mr. Herman is also the author of a best-selling legal book called The Carmudgeon's Guide to Practicing Law. My name is Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM 157. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at reachmd.com. Once there, you can download all of our podcasts. They are all available in our library. And if you'd like to reach us by phone now, you can do so by dialing 1-888-MD-XM-157. And thanks for listening.